welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living. I'm your usual host, Valerie Borgman, but today I'm sharing my story, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest host, Max Oppenheimer of the Brentmore Retirement Community in St. Louis, Missouri. You might remember Max from our doable tip episodes on independent living and assisted living. Today, we're talking dementia, hospice, and the Chicago Cubs. In September of 2007, my dad ended up in the hospital. And if you are a Cubs fan, you might remember that they won the National League Central Division. And so I went to my dad's hospital room. Actually, at the time, I was really shocked because I was like, how is it that he didn't watch the game tonight? What I realized later is that my dad was suffering from dementia. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. This story is incredible. This is something else. I mean, you and I could go back with stories, but this is your own, your own father. And that's obviously the fact that you're going to be able to tell this. I mean, it's been a while, but that doesn't help. If you uh, need to stop or if you need to go on a tangent to get, just take a break. Like that's okay. It's okay. Um, Like if you want to like, Oh man, then like, it's kind of hard for you. But like, yeah. So the Kraken are kind of start playing and it's going to be really great. I'm excited. (laughs) That's okay. You're going to get PTSD from all the talk about the Cubs. That's what's going to happen. That's right. That's okay. That will, by the way, that will absolutely be talked about. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Between a Catholic prayer and a Cubs (laughs) fan with a Cardinal, a Jewish Cardinals fan. (laughs) And this is absolutely going in the show. So so buckle up, listeners. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Well, I will just jump right in then. (laughs) I will just start. Okay, so um, in September of 2007, my dad ended up in the hospital. And if you are a Cubs fan, (laughs) which (laughs) I know you're not. I'm not, but keep going. You (laughs) might remember that. Now, I want to get this right. They were, they won the National League Central Division that year. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I went to my dad's hospital room to visit him. And I thought I was going to be walking into this celebration. I I walked into the room and I said, Dad, oh my gosh, can you believe the Cubs won? I'm sure I didn't say won the Central Division. (laughs) I'm sure I probably just said won. And my dad opened his eyes. He looked up at me and he said, holy shit, the Cubs won the World Series? (laughs) I bet everybody was saying that too, even in 2016 when they did win the World Series. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I was, sh- I was actually at the time, I was really shocked because I was like, okay, how is it that he doesn't know what I'm talking about? How is it that he didn't watch the game tonight? And what I realized later is that my dad was suffering from dementia. And um, what he actually had was alcohol-related dementia. He had drank for most of his life. and um, But this was way before I worked in senior living. 
I, I had no idea that that was even a thing. My family didn't know. Yeah, I was just going to say, could you explain like a little bit more about that? Like, I mean, listen, I, I, I know I have a few now and then and several of you know your listeners have a few now and then. Uh, I didn't know those constant, like you think liver failure, something like that, but dementia, could you go on a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. This was in 2007, right? So I don't even know if it was even talked about you know, that much just in general. But what happens is that the liver, right, filters out your toxins. And for an alcoholic, those talk, you know, the liver fails. And so the toxins can't be filtered out and they end up building up in your body and affecting your brain. And so that's where this comes, you know, into play. And it has the same symptoms as, you know, just what you think of as dementia. So hallucinations. And in in his case, he would have, you know, just like this moment where he just wasn't comprehending and and couldn't really understand what was going on. And so it's, it's a thing. Clearly, I'm, I'm sorry that he went through that. Yeah, it was really, it was really crazy. You know, I mean, I do like the thought that my dad died thinking the Cubs won the World Series. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's pretty cool. But so they they released him from the hospital. And I have to say that at the time, I I really didn't know what was going on. What did you think was going on? Like what, what was going through your mind? That, that he was, oh, oh, he's going through withdrawals or, sure. you know, whatever. We still, we didn't make that connection. You know, this is just our dad and he's drank his whole life. And, you know, we've been here before, that kind of thing. So they released him. They couldn't do anything else uh, for him. And... He was, at the time, living with a roommate. My parents had divorced years before this. So he was living with uh, a friend. And a couple of weeks after he got home from the hospital, this friend called my brother, and she was absolutely frantic. She said to my brother, you need to come get your dad right now because I'm not going to sit here and watch him die. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did your did your brother like be like, what does that mean? Or do, did he just drop everything he was doing and bolt? Yeah, he just dropped everything he was doing. He called me and we both went over there together. Mm-hmm. And we we still didn't really know what was going on. We still just thought this was his alcoholism. You know, you know, we just didn't know. We got there. What we found was not my dad. And if you have experience with dementia or Alzheimer's, you are going to know what I'm talking about. He had that blank stare where he just wasn't even there. He didn't know who I was. He didn't know that we were taking him to the hospital, getting him out of the house and into the car. He didn't understand. And so we were like having to go, you know, okay, we're going to open the door and, you know, all of those things that you do. Um, he he also had this at times this strange grin on his face which was actually really haunting and straight you know he because he was just not we didn't know where he was in his mind but we got him to the emergency room and they had to restrain him because of course he didn't understand and he was trying to leave then after all of those hours right it's takes so long at the emergency room. The doctor comes up to us and she says, okay, there's nothing more we can do. So we are discharging your dad. 
just just sorry tough luck adios we want to go i'm out of here yes <laughs> oh thanks for your help yeah exactly and sharing and... to work there yeah. <laughs> yeah and so here so imagine this picture i was 36 at the time and a single mom my brother philip was 35 working a crazy amount of hours every day single living in an apartment and our other brother derek was only 18 years old so Imagine the looks on our faces because he just got kicked out by his roommate. And so we just, we looked at her and literally this is the point where I always tell people, if you're in this situation, just beg, <laughs> just beg, <laughs> just give it a shot. And that's exactly what we did. Hey, listen, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? They say no, right? Like Exactly. And that's. Just go yeah, for and it. Yeah, that's what I did. And I just explained the story and explained to her what our situation was. She then pulled us aside and she said, do you have any idea how sick your dad is? And we didn't. And she said, your dad has about two weeks to live. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you went from thinking that this is just another alcoholism episode to you know the blank stare thing i was going to ask you know is that something did you feel something was definitely different then when you saw that because i mean you and i have been doing senior living for a while there's definitely something a lot of words can be said about a blank stare definitely thought that something was different there but not like two weeks to live different we had no idea and this was also again before i worked in senior living so even the blank stare knew it was something we had never seen before but i still had no idea what it meant and when the doctor said that we went into shock at that point and i do have to say that she did something that she absolutely did not have to do and that was she admitted my dad to the hospital she didn't she did not have to do that she did it i i, I like to think of that as sort of the first gift we got in this whole journey <laughs> because she didn't have to and so she admitted my dad. It was sort of strange because at that point, even being told this news, I think you go into denial. Oh, sure. Yeah, right? Because we're, we're so, we're still like, no, my dad was only 55 years old at the time. Oh. And so we're still like, no, there's no way. There's got to be something they can do. And so our conversations with the doctors were <laughs> We're, you know, they're probably looking at us like, oh my gosh, these guys are in denial, but we're like fighting, you know, like, oh, there's gotta be something. There's gotta be some, you know, something you can try. And he did get better. I'm sure they were giving him fluids. You know, I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure they were giving him things that would make him feel better. And so he did become very lucid. I guess that sort of fed our denial a little bit because, you know, he looked like he was doing so much better. And it was actually at this time that we got our second gift. And that was when my uncle asked us if we had power of attorney. Oh, good question, right? uncle. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also something we had no idea sure. what it was. I mean, we were young. We had no idea what that was. We didn't have it. So we were actually able to go through with the power of attorney paperwork. Very easy. He signed it. You know, no problem. No problem, but 
you enter into that whole other thing where now you're responsible for everything. And, you know. <laughs> right. Well, you said it was very easy and this was all done in the hospital. Yes. And, and you said it was easy. I mean, everybody that's listening, you know, hopefully, you know, if you don't know, now, you know, power of attorney is so important. I mean, Valerie's dad wasn't, you know, a, a senior citizen, but you needed to obtain power of attorney very quickly. And Valerie, I know you and I have encountered several people who need power of attorney pretty quickly, <laughs> but don't always know how to get it. Um, so, so I mean, the hospital is not where you want to get your power of attorney. That's something where you want to have it. But um, you said that was at least something that was easy to do. Would you say that's a relatively simple process outside of a hospital? Yeah, it's online. Every state yep. has a different one. And you mm -hmm. just print it out, you fill it out. And I mean, the only thing you have to do is get it notarized. In this right. case, we were in a hospital, there was a notary there. Sometimes in skilled nursing, there's a notary. Every bank usually has a notary. So yeah, we have a notary at our community also. Yeah. And it's like, for us back in 2007, it was like 20 bucks. Sure. You're right much better to have it done before the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I mean, typically at age 55, you're not thinking about that kind of stuff, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then this is where all the fun starts, right? Not fun. So now we are clearing out his place. Now we're going to his bank. We're trying to pay his bills. What responsibilities does he have? You know, what do we need to do? So we're digging through paperwork, all of that stuff, which is it's hard <laughs> because at the same time we were young. So when all of this is going on, we're also still working and dealing with the hospital and trying to visit my dad. And I'm trying to, you know, spend time with my son. We were very lucky to have a support system around us. And so, you know, my job was very lenient. And one of the things with my dad is that he always had this really big fear of dying alone. So we're also trying to arrange our schedules so that my dad is not ever alone. Mm -hmm. I feel like during this time we were really on autopilot and not even really processing. I remember my brother and I went out to dinner one night and I remember saying to him, do you think this is really it? This kind of feels like this is it. Mm -hmm. And even in that process, we were still trying to figure it out. About, I would say, a week into his hospital stay, he started to um, decline. He became combative, and he pulled his catheter out, and he was trying to leave. And Oh, man. Yeah. And this was when the doctors all, you know, they all come in the room right? You have all these, mm -hmm. so we had like five people, <laughs> four doctors <laughs> and social services. Like they were all like, oh they were all in the room and they said, um, we think it's time to consider hospice. I mean, they're so gracious, right? They're like, it's time to consider hospice. Like, sure. well, no, it's like, we need hospice here. <laughs> and so, you know, we're just like, okay, you know, what, we're not sure what to, what to do. We're like, okay. Luckily, hospice for this hospital was actually in the hospital. So it was just another wing. But there was a day, there was a day in there, and I'm trying to think of when it was. I think it was the day before he actually went on hospice where he was super, like, awake, and he was eating, and he was telling jokes, and we were reminiscing together, and we were even able to ask him 
where he wanted to be buried, which, you know, sounds like an awful thing, but honestly, it was such a huge relief. An important question. Yeah. And it was a huge relief that we didn't have to make that decision. Right. That was so big. And yeah, so he had this, you know, really fantastic day where he was just like our dad again. And I remember that he and I were alone and he asked me to pray with him. And I was like, yes, of course. (laughs) I was like, wow, this is so cool, you know? And so my dad was raised Catholic and I was raised Christian. So I prayed this really heartfelt prayer and it was emotional. And at the end, I said, amen. And my dad opened his eyes and he said, what the hell was that? (laughs) 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 Can you imagine? (laughs) My dad was expecting this full Catholic prayer. Gave him. And then he got that. <laughs> he got that. <laughs> Who knows what I even said? And, I, oh. and he was, it was just, I mean, it was so funny. We could laugh about it now for sure. At the time, I was just like, oh. Were you like, I'm sorry, was that not what you had in mind, sir? Like, I'm like, the only thing I know is like the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> like, do you want me to do that? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by ClearPath Senior Living Solutions. ClearPath helps families find assisted living, memory care, and other resources. Find our contact information in today's show notes. That I think that's just the thing to know about my dad is that he was a super funny guy. He was just this tall, big guy that drove trucks for a living. In his past, when he was younger, he was a really talented woodworker, and he was just this really big, strong, funny guy. And when they moved him into hospice, that that became just another phase of all of this, because then we were literally watching him just waste away. And, and that part was just, that was really, really hard to see this larger than life person go through that process. You had, you had mentioned earlier when you were having the discussion about with your father about where he wanted to be buried, that it was a huge relief because that's another decision you didn't have to make. Kind of transitioning that to the whole putting him on hospice, would you say that you felt any similar relief? That is such a great question. Max, because yes, yes, we absolutely did. I would say hospice, I'm honestly, I'm not even being dramatic. I, I feel like hospice saved us because, and especially this particular program, because it was in the hospital, it's fully staffed all the time. And they were just so gracious and emotionally supportive. And so, yeah, absolutely. It, it was, it's funny because for us being so young, I don't know that we fully understood what hospice even was. And to have that, yeah, it was amazing. It really, really was. And this was, he was only on hospice for three days. Really? Yeah. 
now we have to go to a funeral home. Honestly, Max, probably someone said, you guys, do you know which funeral home you're going to use? <laughs> because, <laughs> you know. As a matter of fact, yes, I do. <laughs> I think, you know, when you're going through something like this, and with us being the age that we were, and now we're power of attorney, this is all falling on us, but we really did, had no idea. So that was probably another gift that someone was just saying, hey, <laughs> do you know what you're going to do? So there was a funeral home that had, you know, done funerals for our family. And so we picked that funeral home and we were in the office and you go through all the questions and we're having an open casket. And so you give them a picture and you go through all this stuff and you take them the clothes, you know, and there's anything you want in the casket. You're, you have to pick out the casket. Like there's this whole thing, right? That you have to do. So we're at the funeral home and my brother and I are sitting there and they said, okay, we have his personal items. Do you want him to be buried with his wallet? That sounds like such a simple question. Like that should be a really easy question to answer. But my brother and I sat there and we're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we like we sat there for a really long time. And finally we were just like, oh, oh yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Just, you know, bury him with his wallet. Yeah, of course. It's his, it's his wallet, right? And then it so he had like his driver's license and he had there was like $7 of cash in the wallet. And then I looked at my brother and I was like, oh my gosh, dad would think we were so dumb <laughs> for burying money. <laughs> He'd be like, what am I going to do with it? <laughs> so, so we ended up taking the cash and then we're like, oh no, yeah, we want his driver's license picture. And we're, you know, <laughs> so we ended up taking Maybe just bury the wallet part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, can I ask you a personal question? Yes. Who got to keep the money? I think I got the five and my brother got the ones. Yeah, the five, it's like, all right, you get the Starbucks. You know, everyone's like a super small cup of Starbucks. <laughs> so we went through all of that and 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 got that part done. And then my on the third morning of hospice, we woke up to my dad having some movement, which we thought, oh my gosh, dad's going to wake up. Like we thought, oh, oh, he's going to wake up, you know? And the nurse, we, we called the nurse in and we said, hey, he just moved. So we're still so hopeful. <laughs> we're just like, he's going to wake up. And so we said that to the nurse, oh, he just, he just moved. And she came in the room and she said, no, no, he didn't like actually move. It was not an intentional motion. And the minute that she said that, he kicked his leg. No, no way. And when she left the room, I whispered in his ear, Dad, I know you hear us. I know you heard that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I said, I know you're just telling that nurse <laughs> that you're still here. And that seems to fit the personality of your father also. Yes, exactly. And this is the other cool part. Hospice made it very clear to us that our dad could still hear us, that he was still there. And so that we should, you know, continue to communicate with him and talk with him. And so, yeah, this was just this crazy cool thing where I'm like, that's right. And that actually happened the night before he died. And so the next morning we wake up and that was when his breathing had changed. 
So we, we knew that something was happening and we called the nurse in and she said, um, yeah, I think we're getting close now. And I think that was really where, where you kind of exhale and now all the busyness falls away. And, and now it's like, wow, this, now this is it. And my brother and I were both around him and he took a couple of sort of strange breaths. And at one point he stopped breathing and we called the nurse and she came in and she said, nope, he's not, not yet. It's just that his breaths are slower. And I, I think that this next part, I think it's easier to understand if you've actually been with someone when they have taken their last breaths, because when he finally did, and the nurse came in and she confirmed, it's like having every single feeling all at once. And those feelings are the fear and the anxiety and the grief. But there was also this deep sense of honor and peace at actually being there with him when he made this, this transition and when he passed. I know, and I know that that's such a strange thing to say, that you can have those all together in this moment. But that's how, that's how it felt for me. I mean, what a special opportunity that was for you that you capitalized on uh, to fulfill your father's wishes of having him not die alone uh, and to have that sense of honor to be with him. I mean, not to put it, you know, bluntly, but what a, what a way to go out, you know, with your children there and, uh, and to have that feeling. I mean, that's what he would have wanted, I'm sure. He's like, you've, you've kept that with you. Yeah. With his children there, thinking the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And, uh, let's see. And, and you're 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 having a, a Jewish Cardinals fan interviewing a story about a Catholic Cubs fan. It, you know, I just can't help but think something's going on here. But it's <laughs> after all that, it's a which also I will say. It's so strange too to be, you know, like you call all the people at the end, it, you know, your friends and your mm. family. And for us, that was a lot of people. Yes. And so, you know, we were also very grateful to have our family was there. And so literally the the waiting room was just packed full of people. I remember coming out into the waiting room and my cousin Angie was there. And, um, it was her birthday and I had totally forgotten, of course. Right. And so it was like, I just burst into tears when I found that out and we're like (laughs) laughing, crying and like, happy birthday. (laughs) So so I, I never forget Angie's birthday. So she's, you know, that's a positive for her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, Angie, if you're listening ever again, (laughs) never again. But yeah, it's really crazy because I feel like afterwards, and and maybe this even was happening during that I almost had like PTSD, like in some, that's what I call it. I know there have been some things written about this um, grief and, and PTSD. It really feels like that. And at the time I was working at Barnes and Noble and one of the booksellers also happened to be a nurse. And I literally felt like I was going crazy. And so I walked up to him. And I just said, hey, um, I think I might be going crazy. 
<laughs> I have no control over my emotions. I have no control over my thoughts. I have no idea what's going on. Um, what should I do? Do I need to go to the hospital? <laughs> you know, can you help me? <laughs> and um, it, he was just so amazing and wonderful. And he just looked at me and he said, every single thought, every single feeling that you have, whether it's good or bad, is okay. Wow. It's okay. He just was able to say that. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, this is grief. This is, this is grief. And this is what it looks like. It, your experience is yours and there is no right or wrong. And that was so helpful. That was just huge. And every single year, the end of September, beginning of October, I start to have like physical reactions to things. I start to have emotions where I'm like, well, why is that bothering me so much? Right? Like my emotional reactions are really tough. And then all of a sudden I'll go, oh, it's September. This is coming up. And it's like your body doesn't forget all, you know, those weeks of holding it together, doing all the things. My body doesn't forget that. And so even now, it happens. And this is 14 years later. I mean, it gets easier. I will definitely say it got easier over the years. The reaction is not as big, but it's still there. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with everybody. That is, uh, and taking us through your own personal journey. Your dad was really lucky to have uh, both you, both of you there uh, at the time of his passing. That's really special. The last question I have for you is the, is the question you ask everybody else, Valerie, what is your doable tip? <laughs> My doable tip has to do with funeral homes. <laughs> so we took that picture into the funeral home because they want to know what your loved one looks like. That picture was my dad with his thick, wavy hair and his mustache that he always had, which was a big mustache. It's the U-shaped mustache that goes all the way down. He was wearing a um, flannel shirt. I mean, so you got a, a, the feel of my dad. And they literally called us and said, did you want us to shave your dad? No, I do not want you to shave his mustache. And then we got there and they had completely straightened my dad's hair. They had parted it on the side. It looked nothing like my dad, Whoa. except the mustache. Thank goodness they called us, right? The mustache was still there. It sent me into a tailspin, which freaked them out. And then they run over to the casket and I'm like, they're like, do you want us to fix oh it? And they're like, gosh. no, no, don't touch him. <laughs> I'm like, he's in the casket. I know it's never going to look like my dad. Like I knew that, but I mean, let's get the hair right. <laughs> so my doable tip would be to have a family friend have someone that you also give the picture to, to go and let them go and see first and prepare you for anything or have the changes made that need to be changed. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.